Well, welcome back, everyone. It's fantastic to have you here again, another episode of The Few, and hopefully your journey to turn that dream into reality is well and truly on its way. Maybe, maybe we're stuck a bit. Maybe we're having one of those weeks where it's just not clicking into gear. We may have tried something we thought would succeed, but every now and again, the wheels fall off. It doesn't happen. Today's episode, we've got an incredible guest who's achieved some amazing, absolutely amazing results in this domain, the podcast. I'm certainly excited, uh, looking forward to learning a little bit about how we can also improve here with the few. But the ability to start something from nothing and then find yourself a few, well, let's not say short years, medium years away to convert that into over 40 million downloads. He's an expert on sales. He's an expert on entrepreneurs, host of an incredibly popular podcast. Please make him welcome now. Welcome to the Few Podcast. Never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. So you want to become one of the few. You can't skip steps. You have to put one foot in front of the other. Things take time. I have a dream. I have a dream. Hear inspiring stories from the few and learn what it takes to turn your dream into reality. Don't be afraid to dream big. But remember, dreams without gold are just dreams. This is The Few with Boo. Tony Derso of the Tony Derso Show. Tony, wow. Thanks so much for being here with me today. I'm so excited by our conversation. How are you? Boo, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on The Few. I'm one of the few on The Few. This is awesome. I am honored to be on your show. Thank you so much. Well, Tony, you are one of the few. There's millions of podcasts around the world today. In fact, when we started The Few, I think it was when everyone thought a podcast was a great idea during COVID, a lot of people sitting home, the barriers to entry were very low. You're a little bit ahead of the curve, though, when you started your podcast. You would have been an early adopter. Before I go on to that story, though, I want to ask you a question. What was it like the day that you found out you had 40 million listens to your podcast? I'll tell you very honestly and truly, Boo, it was just business as usual. Okay, I'm at 40 million. Okay, doing this, doing this, answer this, up, 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 just nonstop, which is one of the things that I think is very important that I would like, if you in the audience want to come away with something, it's that, do you jump up and clap when you hit a big milestone? Well, maybe a small celebration, but for me, I haven't been to where I consider the big timers are. So for me, I'm still pushing very hard to get up that hill. I don't think I've made it at all. That silence. <laughs> no, not at all. It's an interesting point that you make. I believe in this concept of the small win and ultimately your big audacious goals in life are the culmination of a significant number of small wins. And I think what you said, probably the reason for my silence was like, wow, that was amazing. That's exactly how I view success. It's just another step along the way. My journey with that as a fighter pilot was very much you know, when you see an airplane flying around, people go, oh my God, how could you do it? I could never do it. You say, well, you know, the day you learn to fly a fighter jet and, and you're given your own one out of the garage, it's just the last of over 400 little steps to get there. Tony, why did you start a podcast? Well, I'm really glad because this, in one word, almost like catastrophe. Just kind of go back a moment here. I I've been in corporate in the corporate world for a long time doing sales, marketing, public relations, a lot of promotion. In like, you know, 2007 I had the opportunity to start my own company in lead generation, something that I was doing for the company I was working for before. 
I was a VP sales and marketing, just doing lead generation way back when we were almost a million a year in sales on that. If you think about the numbers, that was pretty good for back then. So I had this opportunity to be my own boss and my own company, which I moved in. I became my own company. It took, et cetera. And in seven years, Boo, we had issues. We had four times four big federal protocols or new changes, just like we had with what I call the madness in the past couple of years, just shut everything down. I mean, I'll go, I went into my office on a Monday, one of my clients, I'm doing over a million dollars a year in sales on this one client. I had multiple clients. They canceled. What? Why? What happened? Oh, well, another federal regulation or protocol came down. The attorneys got together. They took two weeks. They deliberated and said, we can't accept marketing services the way it's being done. We got to retool. And it goes boop, 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 like dominoes that happened with my clients. And it was the fourth time in seven years and I got tired of it. And I was like, what can I do is very important. What can I do that I can control and it doesn't go crazy when something else in the world goes crazy. And I kept hearing this word boo called podcast. I'm like, what's this? And when I found out, it was like, Hey, I can do this. I'm Italian. I can talk. <laughs> so I crash course learned whatever I could in about two weeks. I could be wrong. It could be two and a half weeks or so on the internet. And I started, I started a podcast fall 2015 called revenue chat radio. And I had zero audience, zero downloads. I didn't know any elite entrepreneurs, let alone millionaires and billionaires that I, that I <laughs> interview now. I didn't know anybody. I was brand new. It was like, who am I? I didn't even know how to get a guest or anything. I've never had no experience. They were all zeros, no experience on radio, no experience talking to people, just zero. I'm just this country bumpkin from, you know, the hills in Sicily, you know, what do I know about this? But I worked at it just like we heard in your intro, those little steps, man, I worked on it because I wanted to control and I learned uh, a lot about social media and marketing as a result of that. There's a lot of talk around purpose now as a result of the pandemic and great resignations, quietly quitting people leaving their corporate roles, or let's just call it their jobs and really looking for more work-life integration. Now, when it came to your podcast and the moment you decided I'm going to do this, was it kind of a slow process, a bolt from the blue? I mean, clearly now you're living and delivering on your purpose here in terms of what you do for a living. How did that feel? And when did you go all in on this from it being an experiment to something that you've sat in the long haul for nearly seven years to get to the point where you are today and still in the process of gathering momentum? And how important is that purpose to keep going as well? Well, it was podcasting was the only thing that made sense that I could control. I really, I'm serious. I wanted something I could control. It didn't matter where I was in the world, I could do it. And podcast filled that answer. But as everybody probably knows, just about everybody, when you start a podcast, money doesn't come. People don't throw money at you. You got to work. You've got to find income. And I kept looking for anything else I could do. And I kept finding nothing substantial, nothing that really made me feel I was doing something. And I created something that I call the vision map, M-A-P. And it's got like eight steps in it. And I put that together when I started podcasting at zero. And I teach this to people, you know, and it starts with vision. What is your vision? And I tell these to people, but it kind of goes over their head. So I'm going to spend a little more time with it. And one of the things I want to tell you is there's this book I read at the time when I started podcasting. 
book by Jordan Adler and it's called Beach Money. And he's, it's since revised and revised and updated. It's to me, my Bible. Even though I haven't read the book for seven years, it's my Bible because what I came away with, he just taught one step, which for a lot of people seems is incomplete. You need more steps. I filled out the rest of the steps and I call it a vision map. And I teach that to people on how to accomplish from anything. And just so you understand the first broad, big step, which is in the book, maybe if all right, I'll give you a short little understanding of Jordan Adler and why it's important. Jordan Adler, I think it was chapter two. He was a failure. He's broke. He didn't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say he was lived on his mom's couch. I don't think he mentioned it, but probably <laughs> could have no girlfriend, no nothing, just a failure. Chapter two, chapter three. So he goes out to the park and he writes out his vision. And I'm going to explain some of this to you. He writes out in detail what he sees in the future as if he's looking at it ahead in the future and he's looking back at the past going, I did this, I did this, I accomplished this. And he explains that in the book really, really well. And he wrote this out in detail and he probably spent like a couple hours doing it. And then he would look at it every day and then eventually he forgot all about it. And then one day, boo, a couple years later, Jordan Adler is moving. And in his move process, he sees that piece of paper and he picks it up and he starts reading it. And he gets down on the ground, gets down on his knees and boo, he starts crying. Jordan Adler started crying. And why? Because he was moving to a brand new house. He had the girlfriend of his dreams. And at that time, you know, 20 something years ago, he was making a hundred thousand dollars a month. Exactly. So that really, really shows the power of the vision. So I took that. And by the way, may I say, if you get his book and if he has the audio and do this for any author you ever run into for the rest of your life, if the author has an audio version of the book where the author himself reads or herself, get that because I got his audio book and the inflections, the tones, the this, the that, it meant more to me than reading the words on the page. So very, very, very important. So I filled out, I mean, I've been to college, I've been to university and I've learned a lot about marketing and branding and all sorts of stuff in my day in corporate America. And I flushed it out other steps and it was powerful and it was powerful. And in a year, I want to say within two years, I had merged, I had started a second show, went on Voice America, and I was soon becoming the number one show on Voice America, not just yet in my second year, but I think about four, maybe five years ago. So yeah, somewhere around my second, maybe third year, I, be, I started becoming the biggest show on Voice America. And it's that vision map, which is like eight steps that you really got to follow. And it just fills in all the pieces. And by design of that map, and I have a book that I'm going to going to issue on it by design of that map, it keeps you motivated and keeps you on your purpose and keeps you on your goal. And I could tell you all the other steps. We could spend a lot of time on it. That's what started me off and kept me on the rails, so to speak. And let's be honest, it's hard to stay motivated when you're doing something passionate and it's not making any money. There is a reality in life in today's society where if you have a passion, it has to at some stage be commercial because we can't live in a commune. I'm sure even now living in a commune somewhere or even adopting the hippie lifestyle, someone will be charging you rent somewhere. I don't think that life uh, exists anymore. 
vision just seem people who live their lives on the terms that they define really articulate their vision well they come back to it it seems that it creates momentum within all the people around them as well because when everyone knows you as something and that you do something anytime they hear someone else talking about it or give you an opportunity it might be for you a guest we start to build this momentum don't we where we our whole ecoverse everyone around us is also starting to row the boat in the same direction Let's go way back, Tony. So you said you had a fairly traditional type of career stream. You've got your Italian roots, so not uh, not shy of, of having a conversation about sitting down and uh, picking someone's brain. But what was it about growing up and getting to the point where you had the confidence in yourself to be able to go and do something like start a podcast and stick with it? Was there anything you can draw parallels to in creating this life that's all about that? You create everything now, right? You're not beholden to anyone. You're not an employee. You're not taking a pay- paycheck to anyone. Yes, you're obviously Voice of America is obviously a big player. And I'll talk about, if you could talk about that a bit later, that'd be great. But you know, you're a self-generator now, right? You're self-sustainable and you created all of it. So what was your life like to, to give you that confidence? I would like to take this moment to point out a, uh, a story, a short story of my life, which is going out in July on Chicken Soup of the Soul. I'm in their 30th anniversary special edition, and I've got a story there of my life. And I highly encourage you to read it. To, to It fills in some of the pieces. We were immigrants. We, my family, we were immigrants. I'm one of six boys number four down. And when we came to the United States, I was three years old. And at the age of five, I started helping my brothers with a paper out job. And I learned what it takes to make a dollar. I learned. Now, if you do anything in the, at 4.30 or five o'clock in the morning, seven days a week in Chicago on Lake Shore Drive, where the wind chill factor is in the minus almost all the time in winter. And I'm telling you, that wind is so strong, it will pick up a child and will you'll go airborne. I'm not even joking. Those wind gusts are powerful. But if you survive through that and the storms and the wind and the snow and six foot high snowdrifts to bring home a couple dollars so that you can eat, so the family can eat, you start learning the value of a dollar. And that somehow was instilled in me. I don't take money really for granted. I believe compared to others, my peers, that I somewhat I live somewhat frugally, not because I don't have, but just I'm not used to being really uh, what's the word excessive or bourgeois or, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, not it's, it's just not me normally though. You know, I've had seven brand new Mercedes. I had a custom Mercedes sports car with the VIN in my hand while the order is going on its way to Germany. I mean, I had and lived love lifestyle. I had a semi-custom built home worth $1.5 million on a golf course. I had all this stuff. So I did live well, but you know, I don't think of being extravagant. And I know that may sound like an oxymoron, but I'm just, I'm fine. In fact, I upgraded my Mercedes, my custom Mercedes for a Jeep, which I think is a far better vehicle. Very practical. <laughs> so don't blame me on that. <laughs> much more practical, right? So I just really learned that lifestyle as, as a child, you know, and I learned be appreciative of what you make. And I only want what I make with my hands. I don't want somebody else's money. I don't try to take money for nothing. I always try to deliver as best as possible. I don't want anything for nothing. 
you know, so it, those things have taught me. And I think since you brought it up, those are very strong points that have, that have kept me throughout all this time. And yeah, 40 million, you know, I want to get up, I want to get up to where some of whom I call the big boys are. So I'm not there yet. So I'm not celebrating. It's interesting when it comes to money, isn't it? It's not as though spending more money brings happiness. I, I was reading a book the other day around happiness and just interestingly, I never thought of it before. It, it spoke about how it's enshrined in the US, the pursuit of happiness, right? That's part of your fundamental right of being a human, but you're not entitled to be happy, just the pursuit of it. And the pursuit of happiness is where joy is. It's where contentment is. It's the effort that you expend to get there. Once you have the money, the house, the destination, it's fleeting. 24 hours later, your dopamine levels drop, your serotonin drops, and all of a sudden you've got to restart it again. So it seems to me, Tony, that you figured that out early and that the toil and the effort and the small wins each and every day, it's actually quite profound. Your stories continually reinforce that same philosophy around the small win. Now, obviously, Voice of America and being syndicated with VA would have been a big deal for you and your podcast. Was that the plan from the outset or how did your two universes collide with each other? That's a really interesting story I've never told before. An exclusive, a few exclusive. Wow, here we go. <laughs> I never planned it. And this is uh, right in line with what we've been talking about. I just believed in just doing what I can to help. And I made a friend with somebody back then. I mean, I like making friends and he was putting on an event and he was like, you know, 40 minute drive away or whatever. And I said, Hey, do you need some help? I just said, Oh, that's cool. You're putting on an event. I had no idea what he was saying. He's saying all these words. I didn't know events back then. I just started my show. I don't know these words coming out of his mouth. I said, but you're putting on an event. I go, I've been to events before. I go, do you need some help? I'll wash dishes. I'll bust food. I go, are you good? He goes, he goes, Tony, you know, he goes, I would love some help. I said, great. So I came over there and I had no idea what was going on. And I wound up sitting at the front greeting all the guests and I had no idea who's who at all and getting them to sign in and usher and seeing that they make it through. And I was like the doorman sort of. And in the course of that, my friend would go, Oh, you got a podcast. Hey, that guy, you want to interview him. That's David Fagan. He's the former CEO with Jay Conrad Levinson, father of guerrilla marketing. He's one of the most famous people in marketing. You want to interview him, you know? So I met him and he goes, that's uh, Jeff Spinard. He's the CEO of Voice America, blah, blah, blah. And I started meeting these people all because I said to my friend, do you need some help? You know, I'm free on Saturday. Yeah, you wow. Know, you know, and I started meeting these people and it was just fortuitously. I met so many people at this event that have then helped spawn something incredible. And it was all because total willingness to help with nothing. I didn't, in my mind, so blank. I wasn't even asking him to buy me lunch or dinner or just, oh, I'll come down and help you and see what's going on. So it was just that innocence that turned into something huge. And, and that's also kind of how I live my life. There's an intangible, I think. Once you really go into your purpose and you are all in, it's like the universe provides for you these incredibly, what, many would perceive as coincidences or unrelated events all of a sudden. And it's almost just when you need it to happen as well. It's like just when you've invested the most pain, you're most depleted that all of a sudden something somewhere comes out of the blue and rescues you and leads you forward. Hi, it's Boo here. If you're enjoying these episodes of The Few, please show your support by leaving a review. It costs you nothing and the more reviews we have, 
the better guests we can reach out and bring onto the show to help you close the gap between what you want and where you are today even faster and help you on your journey to become one of the few too. The podcast itself, what made you decide on the genre and the themes of the podcast? What was your motivation for the guest you have? It's quite entrepreneurial. You yourself have a lot of aspirational people there. How did that idea manifest itself for you? That's a really great question. Because to answer you very simply, I didn't know. I just worked out what was my purpose? What was my objective? And I went into the future and I turned around and I looked back at the past and I was interviewing millionaires and billions. It's just like a dream. It's just like a vision. It's just like your kid is like, imagine something. And I'm imagining I'm interviewing millionaires and billionaires and I'm writing books and they're becoming bestsellers and I'm doing speeches and I'm just imagining all this stuff. And I just wrote it all down and boom, it's just God opened doors for me. God just made things happen for me. I'm just so ecstatic at the help that I've received to just make things happen. It's just, I had no idea that I was going to be interviewing people. I call them elite entrepreneurs, people that have made it to the top of their category, their household names. There's people that know who these people are in, in that category or in that re genre or region, whatever. And I call them elite entrepreneurs. Not that they control the world or anything, but a lot of industries on their backs. And they're millionaires, billionaires. I've interviewed very famous people. And when I started interviewing people, my whole purpose was to, I didn't know Jack, but I knew people that knew stuff that could then teach the audience. So I wanted to be that curator to bring experts that knew something. Because face it, Boo, you, yourself, and everybody listening, you can't read everybody's book, take everybody's seminar, listen to everybody's speech, watch everybody's YouTube, take everyone's class. You can't do it in a lifetime. It's impossible. So I realized that I could curate people at the top of their class and bring it to others who would listen because we're all smart. You're listening to this podcast. You know how to operate your phone or your computer. We're all smart. But sometimes to get to our destination, point B, let's say, it can take a long time. But if we listen to experts who share their wisdom and their experience, it can speed it up. And I realized that I could help other entrepreneurs speed up their journey to success by curating and bringing them elite entrepreneurs. As I coined it back then. Everybody uses the term, but for me, it's very, you know, hey, welcome. We're talking to elite entrepreneurs. I've been doing that for like seven years. And it just really hit. It just really hit. And I get tickled when I, you know, I'm social media and someone goes, oh, you're Tony. I'm, I love your show. I go, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> it's very gratifying. That's awesome. And they're the little rewards, right? They're not financial. They're not, they've got nothing to do with money, but they have to do with the opportunity to shape someone else's life and to give them something to hold on to. Because you're right. And there's no better story or context for someone to learn than in the story of where you want to be or the story of what you want to be. And, and entrepreneurs and business owners, they're, they're successful. They've obviously finished that journey. In my day job, I'm the CEO of Afterburner and we have a, a methodology we teach people called flawless execution. And what you're talking about there in our world, Tony, is we call it the execution gap because there's always a gap between where you are and where you want to be. And for many people, they get lost in that gap. They, they don't actually have a method or a process of thinking that drags them forward. And part of that flawless execution is you actually said it before, you went to the future, then you look back. And part of going forward is regularly looking back at what you've done. 
it's looking at what worked and what didn't and stopping the things that don't work and move forward with the things that that do work. And you would have seen on your journey, it's kind of exponential, right? The first uh, 10,000 downloads would have taken longer than the last 10,000 downloads. Everything sort of accelerates uh, as you go and as you learn. There must have been a moment where you started to get some guests that you thought, well, oh, wow, I'm actually starting to move up now into some really either well-known or very successful people, people that have taken, because within success, there's bands of success, right? So yeah, the elite, the best of the best. Was that something that happened really quickly? It was like, oh, straight in through my network or how long were you podcasting before you really started to nail some of the bigger guests? It's that question has like two sides because a lot of guests, I don't mean it that way, but I'll interview guests and I don't feel giddy or, oh my God, I'm interviewing a famous person, you know? I've interviewed the authors of the book series that has sold over 500 million books. And it was like, oh, cool. You know, I'm just talking to them. But, you know, I'll interview Russell Brunson. At the time, his company was made like $100 million. I was like a giddy little teenager, <laughs> Italian teenager. Oh, my God, look who I'm interviewing. So it didn't always hit me. But I think as I moved up with entrepreneurs, it was... I'm speaking to a person who's sharing their experience and giving amazing information that I'm passing to the audience. So it never kind of really hit me that I'm speaking to somebody famous. And I don't mean it bad. I mean, I've spoken to a lot of people, but there are those that if I interviewed them, I would get flushed or, or act silly, but they haven't come on my show yet. <laughs> <laughs> people are people, right? And I think the amazing thing about people are people and that's, that's so right. It's just, they're people. They're people that want to take the show. Yeah. And I think you and I are lucky in that we get to, the, the people we get to spend this time with, like yourself, are people of vision. And they're just really, I actually find it much easier to have those conversations because people with vision, they feel calm. You know, they feel like their ability to make decisions is quite easy. There's not really a lot of gray areas in their life. They're able to push it to black and white relatively quickly. So you've obviously written a book, Elite uh, Entrepreneurs. You've written about sales. You're successful in those fields. In the book, and when you look at elite entrepreneurs, what are some of the common themes that you see? Like what makes them successful? What drives them? If I had to distill the 500-odd interviews over seven years and 40 million downloads and listens later, some of the key things are these people I've interviewed that have made it. They knew where they were going to go. And sometimes there's, you're not sure this way or that way, perhaps, but they knew where they were going to go. I mean, I've interviewed some people, they were destitute. They had adversity. In all the people I've interviewed, only one, maybe two, ever had their life handed to them. I'm not joking. These people weren't born with silver spoons in their mouth, as the saying go. They were just like, we all have our resources. We have whatever those are. Some people know people, some people's parents know people. We all have resources. It's whatever God gives us. And we have to take that and use that and become successful at it. I grew up in a town where I think the population was, when I went back on my honeymoon many, many years ago, the population was like a thousand people. I don't even know how many people were in the town when I was born. I'm going to say jokingly, 250, who knows? Yet here I am with the show that a lot of people like. I mean, but I took the resources that I have and I worked it. And that's what's really, really important. It may or may not have answered your question, but we all have resources and 
when I was podcasting, you know, I looked at other podcasters. I do not think I was, what is that phrase, uh, there at the beginning to take advantage of the wave. I came years later and I'm looking at those that when I first started, it was somebody who had like 15, 16,000 downloads per week. I'm going, how does he do that? That's like insane. You know, in my first year, I learned to beat that, you know, not beat that person's record, but to beat that record, I was up to 25,000 downloads per episode in my second year, but I just took a lot, a lot, a lot of push. It's knowing where you're going. So these people that have made it, they have that vision. They know where they're going to go. And if you can put it out on paper and write it all out and work out your purpose and work out your objective that I call long-term objective, and I can teach this pretty easily. It really helps focus you. And that's the real, real key. And as you get down the vision map, step four is your master plan. And there's where you work out what resources you have. What do you have? Who do you know? What can you do? And work out these steps. And everybody was different, but most people really had to roll up their sleeves and struggle or not to just make it happen. And that was the key. Not one millionaire or billionaire that I interviewed, not one, I'm positive, got and became a millionaire by not wanting to and sitting on their couch and watching Netflix all day. I don't think it happened. <laughs> you have to go out there and get it. What I love about this conversation, Tony, is the simplicity of it. You even mentioned with the book Beach Money how it was just one thing and it was simple. It was just one thing. And sometimes with coaching or helping people, you know, I'm constantly sometimes feel the pressure to add things, to add a little bit more, to help them a little bit more. But when I'm finished, I'm like, but it's just so simple. You just have to focus on that. Or just that one thing, the detail, a lot of the things you need to know to get there, you don't even know where to look yet. You don't know half the stuff that you're going to need. That's going to make you successful. You haven't experienced the serendipity or have your antenna on for the right meeting at the right time that's going to kick you in a completely different direction. I love what you said about being helpful, helping your friend with an event. Have you, I'm not sure if you've seen Arnold Schwarzenegger's new, he's, he's got a new show on Netflix. I think it's on Netflix anyway. And in the, when he wraps up and talks about his life and his life of success, he said his father taught him just one thing, and that was be helpful, just be useful, just do things. If something needs to get done, just do it. And then the rest kind of looks after itself. So speaking of reflecting, Tony, when you now look at the life that you have and which is certainly still very turbocharged and on the up and up and, and still very much in the fullness of its journey. If you went back to your 14 year old self and had a little bit of a conversation with yourself and you wanted to either accelerate this journey a little bit more between then and now, or maybe made the journey a little bit less bumpy, what would you have said to yourself? It would have taken some time to penetrate my 14 year old head, you know, who's like, looks at this world with flashing lights and excitement around every corner. And back then I just loved making friends. I regularly told people I must know a thousand people, you know, I easily knew a thousand people in Chicago. Well, you could know millions, right? I just loved making friends. It was such a high and adrenaline rush. And I just knew so many people and I just loved it. And it seemed God was setting me up for this, <laughs> for what I'm doing now. But <laughs> I would have talked to myself if I would have listened. That would have been the difficult thing. You all know what you were like when you were 14 years old. So 
<laughs> so oh, yeah, I've, I have one. So I would have told myself really, believe it or not, and this has nothing to do with my show, but I would have told myself really look into God and who God is not in any religion because actually, and truthfully, you really won't find God walking around today's religious institutions. You just don't. Now you're speaking to somebody who as I wouldn't call it a hobby, but I've read and studied books on all the major religions of the world several times. It's been one of my pastimes or hobby or whatever you want to call it, little passion. I've read a lot about God and I've really understood a lot. It's taken years to understand very much because there's so much convoluted confusions out there. But I would have told myself to pursue that and hold that firm and not let go. And when you do that, even though you may have to navigate through a maze and through this and through that, when you need it, when you're in trouble, he will be there and he is there for you. And that's something I've had to learn throughout my life. It's not been roses. I didn't tell you that in my second year, for the period of a year, my show was being hacked and destroyed and taken apart. Even my website was taken away by hackers destroyed. I lost everything and I re-put everything back together. So it wasn't roses or whatever it is, uh, milk and honey or whatever the phrases go. I've really had to push hard and I didn't understand how God works back then. I do a lot better now. And I would say that I would give that advice and wisdom to my 14 year old self to when you don't know what else to do, ask God, cause he will help. He made us, we did not spontaneously combust you know, you know, there's, there's a piece of dirt outside my house. I look at it every single day for 10 years, boo. And still to this day, some chicken didn't spontaneously combust and come. It was intelligence that created everything. And when you really understand that at a higher level by focusing on it, then it makes more sense. It makes a lot more sense. So that's what I would have told myself. And I hope you don't mind. I know there's a show for entrepreneurs. No, not at all. It's powerful. Powerful. And it's what kept me going. And it's these intangibles that I believe the few connect to. Yeah, it's great to read the, the seven habits. It's wonderful to know how to go from good to great as an organization, but for to fulfill your potential as an individual, I didn't fulfill my full potential till I connected with spirituality properly and understood the concept of something bigger than oneself and that you're ultimately in service to everyone. And when you come to that conclusion, all of a sudden, all the barriers, all the cobwebs, everything that holds you back in life just sort of vanishes and you're free. You're in front of it all. That noise is behind you now. So that was very insightful and a very powerful way to close out the show, Tony. Thank you so much. Now let's get onto Tony's podcast, everybody. Let's make sure we help him on his journey up off to the big boys. I think you know, what we've heard today from Tony and I've had the opportunity to listen to a number of Tony's amazing podcasts. They're incredibly insightful. If you want to find Tony. It's TonyDurso.com and that's T-O-N-Y-D-U-R-S-O.com. The reality is he has an apostrophe between the D and the U, but we know that they don't work on URLs. So Tony, thank you so much for your generosity today and sharing your insights and your vulnerability to help the listeners here on The Few with their own journeys to fulfill a life of success. Thank you so much. It's my honor. My tagline is journey to success. So that's what I try to help people, help them on their journey to success. So I hope I helped some people today. I love it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tony. Take care and look forward to listening to your next episode <laughs> when it drops. Thank you so much, Boo. Well, that wraps another episode of The Few. And I'd like to thank our partners without whom 
this episode wouldn't be possible. Firstly, Ode Management, an organization that brings world-class speakers into your event or organization to make a profound impact on your people to deliver the results that you want. And Afterburner, real-life fighter pilots, a team of men and women who for the past 25 years have helped organizations surpass their expectations, learning the tips and tricks fighter pilots use to win 98% of the time. If you enjoyed the show, please show your support by subscribing to the podcast, The Few with Boo, or our YouTube channel. It's been an absolute pleasure sharing the stories of these remarkable people with you. I hope that helps you keep the dream alive, but more importantly, equips you with a few ideas of how to turn those dreams into reality to help you become one of the few too. 